the difference between K through 12 and college university setting in how students that have these learning differences get supported. The biggest thing would be the switch of responsibility from the institutions to the student. Hey there, I'm Lily and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. In this episode, William and I talked about learning differences in college. More specifically, we talked about what changes between high school and college when it comes to having a learning difference, needing to advocate for yourself, and the accommodations that are available for you at any institution. William taught me a lot in only a few minutes, and I hope that this episode is as useful for you as it is for me. I think that about covers it, so let's go to William and me. William, thank you so, so much for joining me today uh, to talk about learning differences in college. Before we get started with all my questions, uh, I was wondering if you would just do a real quick introduction of yourself, who you are, and what you do at Strive. Absolutely. Um, and hi, Lily. Hi, hi listeners. Uh, so my name is William Jackie. I work as the academic coordinator at uh, Strive to Learn, and I'm also an independent educational consultant uh, working with students on uh, planning for college and careers. Um, and so I am excited to, to discuss this topic today, which is um, how students with learning differences can uh, prepare for and manage the transition to college and just in general post K through 12 life and um, sort of what to expect. So I am excited to, to talk about this uh, for a number of reasons, but it's definitely near to my heart because I have um, multiple family members and close friends and loved ones who would qualify as uh, having learning differences. So, it, you know, it's it's something that um, I really do care a lot about. I've done a lot of research into, and I just I want to continue to um, to grow in my understanding of it and ability to help uh, to help students to navigate it. Um, I think it's a an aspect of the college admissions world that has a lot of misconceptions and myths that can be uh, dispelled. So I, I think it's I'm really excited to talk about it. Very glad that you are listening. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it too. And I, I really identify with, with the misconceptions part because I think my um, picture of what having a learning difference is like in, in um, kindergarten through, you know, all of high school is very different from what that experience is like in college. Um, and so I was wondering if you would just start by maybe explaining what the primary differences are between how, you know, K through 12 schools and how colleges provide support to students with learning differences? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first of all, when, when talking about learning differences, I think it's one of those phrases or, or terms that, um, you know, some people might not understand what it means or, or just don't really have a, a personal context for, you know, ever having used the term or, or learned it or anything. Uh, others have probably heard it and, and contextualize it with you know what they know in in a certain way um but i think just to to kind of start with clearing up what i'm use how i'm using the term um so every student learns differently and so the term itself to say learning differences is not talking about that aspect of the fact that every student learns differently it overlaps with that idea in some ways but the way i'm using it is more specifically in in relation to 
what a lot of times gets called learning disabilities. Um, so, you know, learning disabilities are an actual um, category in, in that, in, in the, you know, field of, um, you know, psychology and, and education. And, um, you know, it's a term that I think sometimes gets misused, but in general, learning disabilities are a, a category that includes uh, different types of disabilities that, um, you know, with the, with the overarching definition being a student's ability to learn is in some way um, lessened or impaired, you know, for a, a factor that's completely out of their control. So it can be things like uh, dyslexia, which is difficulty uh, reading printed word. It can be um, discal discalculate. This is a tough one. I think the actual way to pronounce it is dyscalculia, but because of the spelling of it, but you often hear it dyscalcula, but that's basically a learning disability with math and inability to, um, to process numbers with the same kind of cognitive speed. Um, so those are what often gets called learning disabilities. That, those are only part though of what I mean when I'm talking about learning differences, um, because ADHD, for example, is not categorized as a learning disability. Uh, ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, and students who have uh, challenges with paying attention and focusing for long periods of time, among among other things, um, those that would also qualify as a as a learning difference. And that is also something that factors into what we're talking about today. Autism spectrum disorders are another one that uh, students with ASDs also would not be considered as having learning disabilities in the strict sense of it, but um, that is part of what I'm talking about when I say learning differences. So it's just different, um, let's say cognitive differences or cognitive features, differences in the way that an individual's brain works and functions that lead to uh, challenges in a learning environment. Um, that's a group essentially. So it's like, you know, some sort of uh, accommodation or assistance would be needed, you know, to, to help that student uh, keep pace. So back to the original question, since that was a kind of a long detour. Um, the difference between K through 12 and college university setting in how students that have these learning differences get supported, the biggest thing would be the switch of responsibility from the institutions to the student in terms of uh, making sure that that enough support is being provided. Um, a short way of summarizing it would be that the K through 12 system focuses on providing success to students. Um, the, the emphasis is on all students succeeding in, in, you know, with certain goals. In the college higher education setting, that shifts from guaranteeing success for all students to providing access to the content or the curriculum of what students should be learning. So, you know, it's that probably sounds like jargon, but that's those words matter in this context um, because they play into um, into laws essentially. So when laws become involved, words are very you know significant. Like slight differences between words become um, become huge differences. So in this case, basically, just to summarize it, um, K through twelve, the the institutions and the people who work for those institutions. So the um, school administrators, the even you know, district level, state level administrators and so on, um, as well as teachers. So general ed teachers, as well as special education teachers, as well as um, classroom aides and assistants. So that whole kind of network of education professionals 
and then also parents. So basically, most of the responsibility falls on the educational institutions, but they their job is to identify when students do have some sort of a learning difference, a learning disability, or uh, or otherwise. Um, it, no, if a student already knows, then that's then it's already identified, but frequently the schools themselves have to identify these learning differences, whether it's because a teacher noticed something or a parent is bringing a concern to the school. And, you know, once uh, an LD has been identified, let's say, the school is then responsible for following through with a, a very um, set um, series of steps and like implementing a plan that will help that student get to the finish line, if you want to put it in you know, in, in symbolic terms, um, that idea of success, the, what, what success means is basically graduation. You know, it's getting the student all the way through the K through 12 system, reaching the end, graduating, having that, you know, high school diploma, possibly, you know, um, giving a nudge towards college for that student, you know, which is something we'll get into more. But in college, it, it's different. Uh, the institution is not responsible legally for identifying or providing services to a student. So the main difference is that shift of responsibility. It, it's not um, like the student at this level needs to essentially seek out their own support. They need to initiate the process of uh, getting supports for, um, for, you know, for, for their learning difference. I mean, so this is kind of a, a blunt follow-up, but why is that? Why does higher education focus on, on access instead of success? Yeah, good question. So it, it goes back to laws. So it's, it's all about the laws that govern education and that govern um, disability rights in this country. Um, for in the K through 12 setting, the, the primary laws that um, provide um, rights to students with learning differences are the IDEA, uh, it's the, uh, I really hope I don't miss this up. It's the Individuals with Disabilities Educational Act, give or take a letter or two, uh, and, and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Law. Um, those two provide all the essentially legal backing that, um, that students with learning differences need to get that full level of support to be guaranteed success. Um, so because of those laws, um, you know, students are guaranteed uh, free and appropriate public education. For, that's, that's one of the provisions of the IDEA. Um, and so that basically means all students have a right to, um, to succeed. All students have a right to that education in the K through 12 level. College is not a right anymore. Um, higher education becomes something that is more uh, you have to seek out and, you know, even with public colleges, you have to pay for it. You know, it's yeah. it's one of the most obvious differences about K through 12 and college. Obviously there are private schools in um, the K through 12 level that you have to pay for too. But even when you talk about public schools in, you know, public K through 12 schools are, are free. Public colleges are not free. You know, you still have to pay for it. So college in and of itself in the higher education system, um, you lose that guaranteed success but there is still the idea of access. And, and the reason that um, students with learning differences can expect support still in college is even though the IDEA does not apply um, in higher education, uh, Section 504 still does. Um, and the Americans 
with Disabilities Act, ADA also applies. So those two laws make sure that uh, essentially the, the if, you, if you boil it down, those two laws are all about making sure that um, individuals with disabilities, whether physical or learning or you know, otherwise, are not discriminated against. And one aspect of not being discriminated against is providing opportunities or providing ways or supports that the learning environment can be adjusted for individuals with learning disabilities to be able to still get an education, to be able to still learn so that they, you know, basically so that they're not shut out from the same opportunities that, um, that others would be getting. So, you know, it all comes, that difference between success in K through 12 and access in college comes down to um, laws ultimately. So I have, uh, I have friends who have learning differences and who have had different accommodations over the years um, in high school and in college. And so I was wondering if you could walk me through some of the examples of, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, any modifications or accommodations that could be available for students in college. Yeah, absolutely. So um, modifications and accommodations are two terms that represent the type of support that students can receive. Um, typically, now, I'll be honest, I, you know, so I come from a, a teaching background. In the um, teaching and, and like K through 12 educational world, those terms sometimes get mixed up. They sometimes are used to describe the same thing. Um, the way I was, I was taught in my, my teaching credential program, um, modifications are a relatively more extreme way of altering um, what a student is learning or the, the curriculum itself. Um, so while accommodations are, are, are more minor uh, adjustments to the learning environment typically. So oh, modifications tend to be things like um, a uh, more limited um, or shortened assignment. Like uh, let's say, you know, if, if the class is assigned to read 30 pages, um, a modification might be that a student only has to read 10 pages or, or 15 pages or something like that. Uh, it might be an alternate form of assessment. So uh, maybe a student, instead of taking a multiple choice test, could do a verbal test and record their answers and, um, you know, something like that. Um, it might be choice of, like, like again, to English, because that's my field, but uh, it might be like alternate choice of reading material. Maybe a, a student gets some modification that they need, they get to use a book at a lower reading level or something like that. Um, a comment, now modifications are on, only will be provided in high school. They are not provided in college. Um, accommodations can be provided at both levels and accommodations are usually more like um, extra time on, on assessments or assignments, um, alternate, like testing location. So a student might get to, to take an exam in, in a different room, um, separate from other students to, you know, so that it's a more quiet setting with fewer distractions. Uh, so accommodations are usually more about the environment and the setting or the method of delivering the, the um, you know, the assessment or the, or the content, let's say. And uh, so, yeah, just again, uh, both of those modifications and accommodations can be provided at the K through 12 level. At the college level, it will only be um, accommodations. So college professors will never, will never alter what a student can turn in. I mean, there, there are exceptions, like sometimes that's part of the curriculum, like a professor might have multiple ways of um, showing, you know, allowing students to show that they are understanding the, the curriculum. Um, but just in terms of like 
you know, a, a modification that a student could receive in college, that will never be the case unless it's like the professor's plan in the first place to allow students to choose different options. Sure. And and while while it's true that that students are kind of advocating for themselves in college, is there anybody else who's kind of responsible for making sure that that students are being provided with the appropriate services with learning differences? Like in college, is there anyone who's like a resource that they can reach to? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So um, it is not a a sort of um, um, a free for all. You know, it's it's not that students are totally thrown in the deep end of the pool and given no sort of uh, raft or you know life vest or person to help them stay afloat or anything like that. There are. Um, there are offices on all college campuses that are devoted specifically to assisting students with learning differences, um, which is a very good thing. Um, typically they're called disability services, but they might be under a different name sometimes. But but yeah, they, they're they made up of staff who are professionals um, at dealing with uh, these these types of learning challenges. And you know this is their, their specialty basically. And um, so these offices typically will meet with students and process uh, documents and paperwork and will um, provide basically approval for accommodations, specific accommodations for students. Um, and then a lot of colleges will have more than that too. Like they'll have specific programs. Um, so I'll, some of which I'll mention later, um, specific programs that are more about mentorship and uh, providing um, you know, career advising and just like going above and beyond simply providing accommodations. But at minimum, all colleges will have uh, an office that is there to assist students. And um, now those offices do have their limits in how much help they can provide, but the fact that they're there to even, you know, get students set up is is a good thing. So um, I just, I wanted to ask a little bit more about that because I'm, I'm not familiar with the kind of advocacy process for learning differences, but I've certainly been in like medical situations where I had to advocate for myself and I've, I've been in le like legal situations or like even regular like college academic things where it's expected that a student will show up somewhere and have the appropriate paperwork and be able to kind of explain them and then defend themselves in the face of like I want this thing and in order to get it I need to do these things and here I'm so prepared and here I am so yeah. what kinds of things do students with LDs need to have prepared like how can how can they be ready to advocate for themselves and actually engage with um, the office of disability services to get these accommodations yeah good question so I think it helps to to kind of establish first um, what what that process is in, in K through 12. And then, you know, that, that plays a big role in, in how it works in college too. Uh, in the K through 12 setting, setting um, once a student has been uh, tested for a learning disability, um, the, now it can be done through the school district, through, um, you know, like school psychologists, uh, psychological professionals who, who work for school districts, or it can be done independently by a family. Um, but, Having that documentation of, of a disability would allow you to then um, set up an IEP meeting with, with school staff, which stands for uh, Indiv Individualized Educational Plan. Um, and that usually involves a uh, school administrator, one or more teachers, special education professional, parents, and the students sometimes. Um, 
And that, and there are also, uh, as an alternative, there are also 504 plan meetings. Now the, the IEP meetings tend to lead to a, a strict plan that outlines uh, goals for growth and goals for, as well as accommodations um, that student or modifications uh, that students should be receiving from their teachers in all classes. And that's, there's a, there's a very set determined process for that. It, it, there, there are uh, rules for when to reevaluate the plan, um, how to make adjustments for next year and, and that kind of thing. And same thing with 504 plans. 504 plans are, um, I, I, you know, I tend to think of them as like, um, if a student doesn't quite have enough, like maybe documentation to, to qualify for an IEP meeting, they can still meet with the school if they believe they should be receiving some accommodations or extra support and they can get a 504 plan. And the 504 number refers to that, the one of this, the section 504 of that Rehabilitation Act. So anyway, um, now the reason I bring that up and, and kind of establish all of that as a baseline is, um, you know, that's just provided to you in college. That, that is the doc, or I'm sorry, in, in K through 12, that is the documentation uh, that, that, you know, guarantees you should be receiving those supports. When you get to college, they don't do IEPs anymore. They don't do 504 plans. Um, none of that is continues on. However, having that documentation of the IEP or the 504 plan in high school goes a long way in college towards making sure that a student will receive some accommodations in college. So that's one thing I would say is, um, you know, a big part of the process of, of getting accommodations in college is being able to provide documentation of uh, a learning difference, you know, whether that's a specific disability or um, ADHD or autism spectrum disorder. So um, it starts with being able to have some documentation. They will, they will definitely ask you for that. And by they, I mean the, the disability services office. Um, and they will typically want you to set up a meeting or like a consultation when you can meet with one, someone on the staff, um, share about your, uh, your LD and, you know, ideally provide documentation of it. And documentation can be a doctor's note or any sort of, you know, official paperwork that, that, uh, that you know, says that, that you have a, a learning disability or some sort of learning difference. Um, so if you, can if you can, you know, reach out to the office, set up that consultation and provide documentation, you know, that's typically the process for being able to um, apply for and hopefully qualify for and secure accommodations. Um, and then, you know, the, the next step on it is once the accommodations have been approved and, and, you know, the college says, yes, you know, you are entitled to these things, um, the student is, student's work is not done because students still need to make sure that uh, professors are, are implementing those accommodations and providing them. So they, they do have the backing of the school, you know, they have the backing of, of the, the disability services office and the school itself, if they do receive those accommodations. So the school, you know, is, is guaranteeing it, but you know, that this is where it, it becomes a little bit of a gray area. Students do still have to stand up for themselves and that's the, the self-advocacy part of it. You still have to make sure that that's actually being implemented. Well, and, and going off of that, just to ask you a little more college counselor-y stuff, um, I'm sure that there are some colleges that are kind of known for being good at this. <laughs> I mean, because students, I, I know a lot of friends who are in different colleges who give me frequent reviews of how their college is treating them. And I'm sure that it's yeah. the same situation for learning differences. So what are some colleges or specific programs that, that students with learning differences should look into? 
Yeah, yeah, there, there are definite, there's a range, you know, there's definitely a spectrum of colleges that put more resources towards helping um, these students. And there are those that just, you know, do not. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I want to share a few in uh, particular that I think um, are, you know, just really excel in providing support that go above and beyond um, what the typical college provides. One quick thing I would say, though, is, um, you know, when when students are, are searching for colleges and, and working on building a list of where they want to apply, um, I would say, you know, the most important thing is is finding the the good fit overall, and the you know the the fact that the college has a very notable um, program for students with learning differences should only be one factor. Now, you know, it could be a high heavily weighted factor, but I would say just it's also important to make sure that you're looking at colleges that are a good fit for you in general. So the examples I can give, you know, do show a range of college types, um, you know, but still, I would say make sure that when you're doing your college search, this isn't the only thing you're looking at is, yeah. is you know, how good are their support services. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like, like definitely look into some of these, but then also, you know, broaden your college search out and, and find things that are a good fit for you in general. And then once you've done that, um, go through those schools and, and find out more about their disability services. Um, but with that said, there, you know, there are a few that I definitely like to recommend. Um, University of Arizona is one. Um, in general, the University of Arizona does a lot of things that I think are really cool, uh, you know, as far as trying to design their environments, uh, you know, just the, the campus itself, as well as classrooms and their learning environment to accommodate as many students as possible. Um, University of Arizona uh, uh, subscribes to a philosophy of universal design, um, which is a concept that basically um, means that if you design something with all individuals and all possible um, challenges, for access in mind initially, um, you are eliminating the need to provide additional accommodations. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of an abstract concept and probably hard to implement, but I think the idea of trying to do that is, is admirable. Um, you know, and, and so basically what that means is if they're, if they're designing the environment and the classrooms and the whole campus in a way that is already taking into consideration students' learning differences. It, you know, even if they're still providing accommodations, you know, that's that's only helps. It, it only makes provides more of a, a just kind of um, helpful, you know, learning environment. And University of Arizona also has the Salt Center, which is uh, a really great program that provides mentorship for students with learning differences. Um, it's something that I would encourage students to check out if, if they're interested in a, a large public university like the University of Arizona. Um, it's a great program. It does have an extra cost, so it's not free to students. I think it's important to mention that. And honestly, a lot of these, just being you know fully candid here, a lot of these programs that provide additional support do have an extra fee. Um, so, and it's because they are putting in more uh, staff hours, you know, to work with students. The, these programs typically involve regular one-on-one -on -one meetings with an advisor. Students are assigned an advisor or mentor and meet regularly, and there are also workshops and just additional resources available to students. So, you know, they, they go a long way towards supporting the self-advocacy. Um, University of Denver has a program like that as well. So does uh, Hofstra University um, in, in New York State. Um, 
So, you know, University of Arizona is a large public school that has uh, great resources. University of Denver and Hofstra are, are smaller or, you know, they're actually mid-sized universities that, that provide supports like that. So there are a good range of options like that. Um, I should mention Landmark College, which is unique in that it's uh, fully devoted to students with learning differences. Um, oh, I always forget. I want to say it's in Vermont. It's definitely on the East Coast. <laughs> Uh, I wish I could remember the exact state, but, but you know, Landmark College is, is very interesting and unique. Um, all of its programs are geared towards students with learning differences. It has a range of options too. They have, it's a small school, so they don't have a ton of majors, but they do have some bachelor's programs. Um, they also have associates programs and they have some bridge programs for students who kind of want to just find their footing the first year or two of college and then maybe transfer to a four-year university after that. So it's, it's a really nice range of options that Landmark provides. Um, and they have some, you know, that, like because that's their total focus, they can do a lot of really cool things um, that, you know, the average university can. And then lastly, I would just mention um, the Rochester Institute of Technology uh, in New York State has a really great, some really great support services for students with autism spectrum disorder specifically, um, which I think is unique among colleges, you know, to have programs or, or offices that are devoted specifically to those students. And, um, you know, I think anyone who is, um, who hasn't, is on the ASD spectrum and is considering uh, going to college, that's, that's a great one to look into because they have, um, you know, individuals that have a lot of experience and really know, um, you know, what are the challenges you face um, at, at the higher education level. So those are just a few. Um, there's more, uh, by all means, you know, and there's a, there's a good book. Um, I'm going to forget, I'm going to blank on the exact name, but I think it's called the K&L Guide to College for Students with LDs or something like that. But it's published by the Princeton Review. So if you look up the, the Princeton Review manuals, it's like a really, it's one of those fat, like 700 page manuals. Um, and it's basically like a guidebook to over 300 colleges that provide uh, support to students with LDs. And it gives profiles for each one. They're like one or two pages each. It's, so it's, it's a good resource for students if you wanna, um, you know, specifically look into colleges that, that provide strong support for LDs. Awesome. Um, and just to wrap things up, I wanted to ask you in summary, I know this is hard because we've talked about a lot of things, but what do you feel is the single most important factor to help students with LDs succeed in college? So it is tough to boil it down. You know, it's, it's a, it's a complex transition. You know, it really is. I mean, it's, it, it's, it coincides with the, you know, basically adulthood. It coincides with trying to make that jump from being dependent in certain ways on, on your family, uh, parents or guardians to being, you know, essentially responsible for yourself and, and being independent. Um, you know, so that uh, culturally that that's, that's how it is. You know, that's, it, it's not always one-to-one -one that way. Not everyone is fully independent when they, they turn 18 and go, you know, and graduate from high school, but just in a cultural expectation sense, you know, when you, when you reach that level and you're transitioning to college, it's a huge, it's a huge moment. You know, it's, it's a, it's a rite of passage. It's, it's a new stage of life, you know, so there's a lot that goes into it. So it is hard to boil down, but um, I would say self-advocacy is the most important thing um, and taking responsibility. So basically developing more independent skills so that when you go to college, you're prepared to, 
uh, be able to stand up for yourself, to be able to articulate what your challenges are, what your learning difference is. I think that's really important. So what I would encourage students to do to be prepared for that, that shift is to start early. And basically, I mean, like when you're still in high school, um, look for any opportunities that you can to be able to, um, to gain more independence, to work on your uh, self-advocacy skills, you know, which are, you know, being able to, like I said, being able to articulate your LD, um, having the confidence to approach teachers or, you know, in, in college professors and, um, you know, ask them for help um, to be able to ask them to receive the accommodations that you are um, provided with, um, to be able to ask, you know, or to seek out support in other ways on campus, like finding out maybe where the, um, the medical clinic is, or, you know, if there are mental health support services on campus, counselors that you can meet with, um, any, you know, student groups that you might want to join, um, and, you know, organizations with like-minded people, or even, you know, people who are much different than you, if you want to join a diverse community. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot that goes into finding your your footing and just kind of finding your community and your home in college. And it doesn't come to you as much as it does in high school. You know, it's it's pretty easy to kind of just like coast through high school. Not, and I'm not saying you don't put in a lot of effort. I just mean, you don't really have to like organize your, your, your whole sort of environment and cohort as much as you do it when you're in college, you know, and everything almost like starts fresh. So I would say just that ability to, to, um, to use those independence and self-advocacy skills by the time you get to college is going to be the most helpful thing to make sure that students can succeed at that at that higher more challenging level and i agree <laughs> it's it's been hard enough moving out and just dealing with you know normal moving out moving away from home things in my experience so yeah i agree awesome Do you have any? yeah it is tough it's interesting i had my first kind of academic um advocacy experience of having to go up to a teacher and be like, hi, you don't yeah. know me, you don't know me, but I need something from you. And it's, it's really like my, my throat was so like, ugh, it was, yeah. Yeah. I understand the challenge and it, it's just, but it, it became very valuable to me having done that. It was like, it, it really did provide me access that I needed. So it's like, okay, well, I'm glad that I did it. Pushing myself to grow in this way, but yeah, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I was bad at it when I was in college the, the first go round. Um, you know, I went back a few years ago to, to get my teacher credential and I and I um, did, you know, online school to get my certificate for uh, educational consulting. But, I, you know, when I was younger, like getting my BA, I was really bad at it, talking to professors and asking for help and seeking out support and all that. So, you know, I, I totally have experienced it from that side too and it, it is it's challenging it's not easy so that's why I think um just starting to work on that when you're in high school and just having that awareness that it's going to be a big shift is is going to be helpful um so I mean the I guess the last thing I would want to to close with is just um it words of encouragement in the sense that the um the higher education setting is so much more diverse in the and there are so many more options available to you for what your learning environment is going to be like that I think it's actually a better setting for students with learning differences than K through 12 
you know, I think you have like you are going to possibly have some really big classes in college if you go to a large public school, but um, you can go to a smaller liberal arts college and you probably never have a class bigger than 20 or 25, you know, and um, odds are that you'll be able to find more than one college that has a learning environment that's more suited to the way that you learn, you know, there's a lot more opportunities for hands on learning. Um, you know, there's opportunities for discussion based classes. Um, you know, it's it's just such a more diverse and varied learning environment with with um, you know where students a lot of times get to focus more on the kinds of things they actually like to learn about. That I think, it you know, it would really be a shame if someone thought that college was not right for them because they have a learning difference. You know, I I think that's that's one of those myths. It, it you know, it's it's actually a great fit for you if you have a learning difference. You just have to kind of know um that there are a lot of options out there um work with the college counselor you know talk to your school counselor your, your guidance counselor at school um ask them if, if if they are aware of this sometimes even the special education staff at the at the school you know might might know and might be able to share um, some places to look but but yeah just encouragement um you know don't don't feel shut out from the higher education system if if you want to go to college and you have a learning difference because there are going to be um, places that you can get a great education that will cater more to the way that you learn than K through 12 did for you. That's great to hear and incredibly good advice. Thank you so much for your, for your wisdom and for your time. Uh, I really appreciate having these conversations with you and I look forward to more in the future. Yeah, thank you too. I'm so glad to be able to talk about it and yeah, um, really appreciate the, the listening ear. Sure thing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. We'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments or DM us on Instagram at Strive to Learn Tutoring. Get the latest updates on the College Admissions World and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.